Hey, good morning. Yeah. Thank you for the three people who clapped. But, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, no, just want to say hi and thank you for all of you that are sitting in overflow uh, this morning and super excited about our Santan crowd that are joining us uh, live right now. But we're getting ready to start a brand new series uh, that's about parenting. And if you're not careful, uh, you may check out of this. You may decide this doesn't apply uh, to you. And I don't think you could be more mistaken. How many do we have in here that would say, hey, I'm an empty nester. I've already messed my kids up really bad. Any, any of those? Okay. So here's what you need to get, and here's why you want to be part of this series. You are getting ready to enter in probably one of the most amazing stages of your life. And uh, you're getting ready to be, if you aren't already, a grandparent. And you cannot overestimate the power of a grandparent. And you now have the wisdom of having gone through this once, learned some lessons along the way, and to be able to leverage these back into the lives of your grandkids. And believe it or not, there's actually potentially going to come a moment in which your kids are going to decide you're not as dumb as they thought you were and would come in crucial moments of their parenting and ask you for advice. And how cool would it be for you to have a great answer uh, in that moment? I, I just want to tell you, my, uh, my grandmother is the one responsible for me uh, coming to the Lord and accepting Jesus as my Savior. Uh, my grandmother is responsible for my life verse. Uh, she wrote it in my Bible that she gave me when I was seven, and it became the compass uh, for my life. And if you're getting ready to move into that phase, or I'm just telling you, this series will be huge for you. How, how many of you in the room would go, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult, but I'm pre-children right now. I, maybe you aren't married or you're married and have an itch. Pre-children adult. Okay, there's three of you. The rest of them did stay out of the room. All right, so let me tell you why you're smart for being in this room. If you were going to jump out of an airplane, would you want to learn ground school? Would you want to learn how to open the parachute? before you jumped or on the way down? And the answer is, many of us in this room who are parenting, the reason we're so interested in this conversation is that suddenly it has occurred to us that we are on the way down, and we better figure out how to open up this parenting chute. But how much more powerful for a single adult or a, a couple that hasn't had children yet to say, before we even begin this adventure, we're going to have in mind a plan. We're going to know what we're getting into and how we plan to manage this moment in our lives, and we're not going to try to learn it on the way down. Got any young people in the room? Okay. How would you like to know your parents' tactics? I mean, so I'm just telling you, you want to be in this room and have this conversation. Now, let's be honest. The way that most of us come about parenting and, the, and choose the style in which we parent is really a reaction usually to how our parents parented us. So, so what happens very often in our lives uh, is maybe you, were, you grew up in a super strict home. I mean, your parents were on top of you about everything. And out of that experience, you and I said, look, I'm just not going to be that oppressive to my child. I'm, I'm not going to do that. And the tendency is for the pendulum to swing completely to the other side in our parenting style, and suddenly we're the friend parent. Uh, we're the really lenient parent, and everything's cool. It's all right. And so in the process of that, our children go, you know what? Uh, I, my parents just, everything was okay, and they, they didn't intrude anything, but here's the deal. I wish they had. 
I made some serious life choices. I made some serious mistakes. I just wish my parents would have intruded into and stopped me before I, I still live with regrets. And guess what? In all likelihood, your, your children are going to do in their parenting style. And very often, how you and I parent is simply a reaction to the parenting style of our own parents and how we perceived it uh, to be. Hey, some, some of us uh, had parents that said, look, uh, I'm not going to give you anything. You're going to earn everything you get. And we grew up going, man, I, I just don't get it. It felt like all the neighbor kids had more than me, and it just it feels like they got to go on trips that I never got to go. It just felt like I was out of so much. And so when we begin to parent, we say, look, I, I just want my kid to have all the experiences. I want them to have everything. And so we're buying their cars for them, and we're sending them on trips to Europe, and we're just handing them everything. And suddenly they get in the workforce, and they actually have to work for something or actually plan a budget because you and I aren't going to bail them out every time, and they are horribly ill-equipped for life. Some of us uh, had parents, remember this one? Uh, because I told you so. Remember that? And, and some of us said, Look, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, what a horrible uh, thing to do as a parent. I mean, why wouldn't you explain uh, to me why not to do that? And what if, what if, what if? What if there are moments when the very best thing you can do as a parent is take the time to explain to your child why you made that decision, why you're so insistent on this? But what if? What if there are actually moments that are deeply necessary and deeply valuable in your child's life where they need to understand that simply I told you so ought to be an adequate answer? And what if you and I have chosen never to do that in our parenting and our child misses out on that principle of life simply because you and I were so busy reacting to the parenting style of our parents? And so here's what we're going to ask you to do today is just say, look, let's just, let's just forget history and let's forget whatever you went through because some of the stuff that maybe we didn't like, even though we didn't enjoy it, maybe it was actually good for us. So let, let's just not do that. And let's not look at this through the lens necessarily of our personal experience, but instead ask maybe a more powerful question. How would I parent if I was simply parenting for the best result in my child's life? How would I parent if I was simply trying to do the very best I could as a parent to prepare my child for life? And whether that's like my parents or different from my, who cares? because I simply want to do this amazingly well. Now, here's what we're going to suggest today, and I, I know this is going to be a stretch for some of you, but just follow me if you can. As you and I try to find a, a way in which to go about parenting, I'm, I'm going to suggest that looking at how God parents you and me is the most powerful example and model that you and I can go to. Think about this. Follow me for a second. Every time in Scripture when God talks to us and says, if you want to understand my relationship with you, if you want to understand how I deal with you, if you want to, if you want to get a handle on how I discipline you, then here's what you need to think of. You need to think of me as a father. Because in essence, how I deal with you and, what, and how I handle you in life is all about me parenting you. 
I am your heavenly Father. You are my children. And so if that's the case, then I'm going to suggest the Bible is full of parenting examples, full of times in which God is modeling for you and me how we ought to be responding to our earthly children in the very same way in which God responds to you and I as His children. And here's what I'm going to suggest, that God's model is is what we call offensive parenting, that it is highly proactive, that it basically says this, I'm going to get ahead of my children, I'm going to figure out what they need to know even before they need it. I'm going to get them ready for what's coming instead of defensively waiting for the problem to show up and then trying to deal with it then. And that God lands over and over and over again on this side of, I'm going to prepare you, ready, even more, you ready, then I'm going to protect you. I'm going to get you ready even more than I'm going to prevent the problem uh, from happening in your life. And it is a highly offensive style of parenting. And hence, that's the title we came up with, Offensive Parenting. Offensive because it's all about getting ahead of our children and anticipating what they're going to need to know even before the moment comes in which they're required to know it. But maybe also offensive parenting because I guarantee you that some of the things we're going to say over the next few weeks, they're going to bother you a little bit. Uh, It's very different than what our culture is doing. It's very different than the trend Uh, that's going on right now, it may be very different than what you've already done. So you you may be slightly offended uh, as we do this. But here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Will you take a journey? Will you spend the next 45 days? And, And even if you don't necessarily agree with everything, and even if you don't totally understand everything, would you try the model? Would you move in the direction of becoming an offensive parent, a parent who anticipates the needs of their child and then prepares their child before the need arises. And here's the deal, guys. If you would just do this for 45 days, I'm absolutely convinced that you're going to see huge leaps forward in your parenting of your children. And guys, even if it doesn't work, you're not going to mess your child up much more than you already have in 45 days. And if someday they need counseling because of what we do to get, just go, it was that crazy man at church. He did it to you, okay? I, I was just trying to be helpful. But, but here's the deal. Even if you struggle with some of the answers, even if on first blush you say, I hate that answer. That answer, you ready? Offends me. Okay. But will you, and I don't care if you agree, I'm asking you to implement. And would you for 45 days parent offensively in the life of your child, anticipating what they need and preparing them even before the need arises. Okay, now we already said that, but here's, here's the thing you need to know. If you and I do this as we head this direction, I guarantee you people are going to criticize. People are going to laugh and go, what, what, in the, what are you doing? This just looks so non-intuitive. It looks like the wrong direction to go in your parenting. This is because your and my culture right now is moving rapidly toward defensive-style parenting. And and here's what defensive-style parenting is. Defensive-style parenting says, look, I'm going to keep all the crud that's out there from ever touching the life of my child. I'm just, my goal, you ready? The goal of defensive-style parenting is safety 
and happiness. And every decision that defensive style parents make are run through that filter. Will this make my child happy? Uh, will this keep them safe? And here's what you need to know. Those are good values, and I'm thrilled if your child ends up happy and if your child ends up safe. They just can't be the primary focus of your parenting. Because if you do, it will absolutely run you off the tracks as a parent. Okay. Now, guys, I get why this style of parenting is becoming uh, ex accepted and, and enamored within our culture. It's because our culture is getting crazy, crazy dark. I mean, let's just be honest. The world that you and I are raising children in is nothing like the world that you and I grew up in. Most of us grew up never having heard of the Internet. And yet there's things that are accessible on the Internet as only a click away that our children see and are, and are exposed to that tear our hearts out. There, there are bad people in this world. I remember as a child playing in my front yard. You almost look like a bad parent nowadays if you let your child play alone in the front yard. We live in a very, very dark world, and one of the reactions that's happening within our culture is to say, okay, so my job as a parent is to hunker down and to somehow create a safe bubble in which my child is to grow up. So, how many of you guys have seen um, hamster balls? Okay. You know, in case you haven't, it's usually a clear ball. It's not opaque like this. It's usually a clear ball. And what you do is you buy it and you stick your hamster in it. And now your hamster can run all around the living room and bump into things. But the deal is they're protected because they're inside the ball. Nobody's going to step on the hamster because he's in the hamster ball. And the hamster has the illusion of getting out and being free. But the reality is they're encapsulated in a place where they can't be harmed and they'll be safe and you can keep track of them. So imagine that defensive style parenting is about hamster ball parenting. It's this idea of I'm going to put my child and keep my child in a safe environment where, where they're never going to have to see the darker sides of life. They'll, they'll always be safe uh, and they'll always be happy in life. Here's the problem. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. That, that, that no matter how attentive you are to the hamster ball, no matter how much you try to stand in front and deflect the darkness of the world or the people who would hurt them or cause them problems, it's destined to fail. There will always be a moment that you cannot stop everything from hitting your child. There'll be a moment you're no longer in the room. They'll have to go to first grade. And, and as much as you hope to attend with them, they will be for a temporary time every day outside of your care. Hey, guys, I'm just going to tell you that somewhere they'll go to college. And, and when, when, when you and I hamster ball parent, when we just say, look, I'm just going to play this defensively, I'm just going to do my very best to keep my child safe and unexposed. See, my thought is this, as long as they can be naive about everything that's out there, then they'll never get involved in anything out there. And I'm just saying, you are destined to fail. Uh, the, the second reason that this is a, a really bad idea is it creates highly selfish kids. 
that, that when you and I go into defensive style parenting, it tends to make parents hover over their children. Matter of fact, the extreme of this in our culture, we've even got people who have no reference to Scripture at all, and they call this style of parenting helicoptering. It's, it, I, I'm going to be here and I'm going to constantly watch my child and everything they need. I'm going to make sure they get it because that will keep them happy. And I'm going to keep them safe. And, and I'm simply just going to attend to my child until I get them out of the house. The problem is this creates horribly selfish children. Little Tommy gets to first grade and he can't figure out why the adults are not attending to him. And these must be horrible adult-type people because they don't understand their mission in life is to make Tommy happy. Uh, Your daughter gets older and she goes off to get married and suddenly you realize she's a Kardashian. (laughs) And, And she's burning through men like crazy because they don't seem to understand that their purpose in life is to attend to her needs. And guys, I'm just going to tell you that when you and I do defensive, hovering style, I'm going to keep you safe, I'm going to keep you happy style parenting, you and I create very selfish, self-involved adults. And here's the last reason that defensive style parenting does not work. It's because it leaves your children, it leaves our children ill-prepared for what is going to happen when they get out of the hamster ball. It leaves them absolutely behind in being able to navigate the harder and darker moments of life because you and I have protected them for so long and they've never had to navigate or deal with them before. This is the parent when our child comes home from school and suddenly they've learned a new word And intuitively, our thought is, well, I've got to go down and talk to the administrator. I mean, how in the world are they letting second graders say words like that? What's wrong with that school? And you go down and the administrator says, you you know, the truth, I can't control, I mean, I can't control every single second grader and what they're going to say. And, And our reaction becomes, well, then maybe I need to pull my child out of that school. Isn't it interesting right now that there is a huge wave of charter schools going on? And guys, I'm not, I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm just saying, isn't it interesting that, that even people who used to be only Christians pulled their kids out of public school and put them into private school. Now, people who are far from God, people who have no intent about God are pulling their, because they say, look, I just want a, I want a stricter environment. I want a safer environment. And I, I'm not talking down about it. I'm just saying you need to think about why you're making that decision. Because if you're making the decision to pull your child out so that you can isolate them, it's probably not the right decision. Offensive parenting would say, wow, I had no idea that second graders were saying that. I just realized there's something I need to get my child prepared for because this is not the last time they're going to hear that word. It just came earlier than I expected. This is when you walk over to the youth group with your uh, daughter and, and you look in there and you go, wow, have you seen the type of kids that are coming to our church right now? I mean, ooh. You know what, honey? I think you can come in big service with me. I... How much more powerful, 
How much more powerful in a moment like that rather than isolating to take that moment with your freshman daughter and say, Here, here's what I'm going to do. Who's, who's the coolest guy in the youth group? Yeah, it's Tommy. And Tommy doesn't love Jesus very much, and Tommy's uh, kind of looking for some things he shouldn't be looking for. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to watch the next two girls that decide to date a guy like Tommy. And I want you to come back to me and explain to me what happened because of their choice to go out with a guy like him. What a powerful life lesson that has nothing to do with isolating and has everything to do with preparing my freshman daughter for when the Tommy asks her out. She's not going to learn that in big church. And here's, here's what you've got to grasp. It is absolutely impossible for you to constantly and consistently protect your child from everything that's going to come because something's going to get through. But here's what you can do. You can't stop the storm. You can't stop it from turning cold. But you can teach your child to wear a coat. So the difference between defensive style parenting and offensive style, anticipating the needs that are going to come and preparing my child for the need even before it happens. And I'm going to suggest to you that over and over and over again in Scripture, God parents offensively. So we're going to spend the next few minutes just looking at examples of how God does this to us and how this translates into your and my parenting. So grab your Bibles, and here we go. John chapter 17. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and work to the left, you're going to find this passage. John chapter 17, using God as a model of how he fathers us as his children to say, if that's how God parents us, how powerful is that for us to incorporate that same principle in how you and I parent our own children? And guys, I get it. There's some of us in this room and you go, look, I, I, I'm not even sure how I feel about God. I'm not sure how I think about God. It's okay. Just view it as a different style of parenting that maybe you've never considered before. Offensively getting out in front of my child, anticipating their needs and preparing them even before the problem comes. It's John chapter 17. Again, if you're not familiar, go to the back of your Bible, work to the left. It's the beginning of what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 17 we're going to start together in verse 15. It's an incredible moment. Jesus, Jesus is getting ready to leave this world, and he's, he's getting ready to leave his disciples behind. He knows he's going to go to the cross the next day, and he's praying for his disciples because he knows, you ready? His influence is now not going to be directly with them. They're getting ready to go to college, okay? And here's what he says. It's John chapter 17, verse 15. My prayer... My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. God, look, I'm, I'm not asking for isolation. I'm not asking for safety here. That's not my prayer. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Not isolation, insulation. I can't keep the storm from happening, but I can teach them how to wear a coat. Protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Just talking about the world system and all the darkness and the yuck of the culture that they're in. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them. 
by the truth, your word is truth. Are you ready for this? Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And Jesus says, look, look, I'm not praying for a monastery. I'm not praying that we find some little cave for my disciples to huddle up in because the reality is I'm going to be sending them out into this culture just like every parent does when our child leaves the home. And you and I have to parent in the perspective that someday they leave me. Some moment I'm sending them out to navigate life without me. And in that moment, I'm simply asking that they be able to stand up. And he says, look, I'm not raising monks. I'm raising warriors. I'm raising people who can go out into the world and into the culture, and instead of the culture overwhelming and overcoming them, I want them to be stronger than the culture. I want them in the midst of other people making horrible decisions to make the right decisions. I want them to be able to stand up with courage when there's all sorts of peer pressure going on in their life. My goal is to prepare them for battle, not for hiding. Think about this. The fundamental question you've got to ask yourself as, an, as a parent is this, because it will change the rest of your answers. Are you raising a child or are you raising an adult? Are you raising a child? Because if you're raising a child, then it really is about safety and, and let's put little helmets on their head and bump it. If, that's what, if you're raising a child, then it is about safety and happiness. But if you're raising an adult, then it's suddenly about the ability to function in adverse situations. Maybe this helps a little bit. You go to a public pool, uh, hopefully the day after they've cleaned it out. Uh, but you go to a public pool, and uh, if you go, you notice they've always got the little, you know, infant, you know, kind of wading uh, pool. It's about, a, you know, 12 to 14 inches deep. And then they've got the Olympic-sized pool that starts off kind of gradual, but it gets, you know, down to the deep end and the high dives and all of that. If you're raising a child, then I'm just telling you your day to the public pool is going to be all about safety. Your little child's going to have, like, huge floaty, floaty things going on. It's going to probably have an inflatable helmet uh, with a face guard that keeps them from getting splashed in the eyes because that wouldn't be happy, okay? And, and if you're raising a child and if parenting is all about safety, and, then, then go for it. But if in your heart you're raising an Olympic swimmer, that would change your entire trip to the pool, wouldn't it? Matter of fact, you'd be, you'd be trying as quickly as possible to get them out of the floaties and out of the helmet into the deeper part of water in order to prepare them for the day when they would swim in the Olympics. And suddenly, safety would be a secondary issue and preparation would be a primary issue. So let me just ask you a question. Are you currently, as you parent, in your parenting style, are you raising a child or are you attempting to raise an adult who can face what's getting ready to come and not be overcome by the water, but overcome the water? Not be overwhelmed by the culture and all of the bad decisions their friends are making, but actually overcome the culture and the bad decisions of their friends. Second thing. 
God is all about, so God is, God is, first off, God is all about insulating, not isolating. It's part of, it's part of offensive parenting. But the second principle is this, God is all about deep and learning. Okay, so grab your Bibles again real quick. And you're going to go to the right, go with me to the book of James. It's going to be almost toward the end of your Bible. If you get to the maps, you've gone too far. Turn around, turn around. Uh, James chapter 1. And here's what you need to know. God in his parenting very often pushes you and me into the deep end of the pool. Matter of fact, if you've been a Christian for very long, you know this, and it's probably one of the things you're most frustrated with God about. God, that, wait, 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 that wasn't fair. How come that happened to me? Why did you allow this in my life? I mean, I'm following you, I'm obeying you. How come you stuck me in the deep end? Because I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not ready for it, and I know I didn't want the deep end. Why have you done this to me? And if you don't understand this about God's parenting style, you haven't been a Christian for longer than two weeks because God puts his children in the deep end of the pool. Matter of fact, uh, James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, here's what it says. Consider it pure joy. Be happy about this. Not happy, ha, ha. Happy, I know this is good for me, happy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It may, gives you the strength to hang on longer. Develop perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be, what? Mature. This is how God grows us up. And complete, not lacking anything. What does it mean, not lacking? That there is nothing that you're going to face in life that's going to overwhelm you because you haven't been prepared for it. It's not going to be new. You're not going to sit there and go, wow, where did this come from? Because God has already put you in that type of an environment, probably at a lesser level. You've learned how to navigate it. And now when the big stuff comes, you're not overwhelmed because you've already, ready? You've already swam in the deep end of the pool. Maybe this helps. I've got a friend his name is Bill Bush, and he's actually the pastor of Rock Point Church, kind of over in Gilbert. And we were sitting around one day uh, having coffee together, and he tells a story about his son, Jaden, uh, learning to swim. I don't know why all my illustrations today are swimming illustrations. Hang with me. Uh, but anyways, he's trying to teach his son how to swim, so he enrolls him in teaching classes. Uh, they get to the end of the six weeks, and he notices his son, Jaden, isn't swimming. So he goes to the instructor of the class, really uh, looking for a refund, uh, to say, look, I've had my kid here, uh, my wife's brought me six weeks, and my kid is hanging on the edge of the pool. Uh, and the instructor said this to him, Jaden knows how to swim. Jaden knows how to swim. We've, we've taken him out, we've you know, put our hands under him, he, he's got the stroke down, he, kn he knows what to do with his feet. The reality is when we kind of pull our hands down, he's actually on his own and, and he's doing all right. He knows how to swim. He doesn't want to. He's terrified of swimming. And so he hangs on the edge of the pool. But Jaden can swim. Bill thought about this the whole drive home. Uh, he got to his house. Uh, he took Jaden in the backyard to their pool. He then uh, knelt down in front of Jaden. And he said to Jaden, Jaden, what I am about to do to you 
uh, you are not going to understand. There's a good chance you'll need counseling at some point in your life, and I'm just telling you now, I'm not paying. And with that, he picked Jaden up and threw him into the deep end of the pool. Bill said, you know what the remarkable thing was? With Olympic, uh, Olympic quality, he swam to the edge of the pool, hopped out of the pool, looked up at me, walked into his mom, and he said, I, I, I followed him in because I thought, oh, this could go bad really quickly. And he got to his mom, and he said to his mom, Mom! She said, what, Jaden? She said, I swam! When, when Bill was telling me the story, I, I said, dude, that, that's a little bit harsh. You know, I don't, I don't know that that's a great illustration. Uh, and he said, no, 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 no. Lynn, I was there the whole time. I, I mean, Jaden was never at risk. I was with him. If anything had gone wrong, I would have jumped in and rescued him. Guys, you get, you get that that is the essence of parent. You realize the reason your child is in your care is so that you can navigate with them life moments that have all the potential to put them at risk, all the potential uh, to affect them adversely. But you be in the room. You be in the context. And so when that boyfriend breaks up with them, when their friends are trying to talk them into doing drugs, whatever that moment is, they're still in your care, and you're able to help them if it becomes truly overwhelming. But maybe more powerfully, help to teach them to swim. To help them to understand how to navigate that moment well. Because there'll come a day when you will not be able to stand on the edge of the pool. You know the other thing Bill said to me? He said, I figured there was some day my boy was going to need to notice how to swim. There, there was going to come a moment that might even mean his life. And better that he be a little frustrated with me now than ill-prepared then. So let me just ask you a question. What context, what moments have you put your children, what are you doing right now in your parenting that is putting your child in the deep end of the pool in which you've looked ahead and said, hey, my child's getting ready to go into third. What a great time to do this because school's starting. My child's going into third grade. I wonder what a third grader might encounter and what are you doing to put them and get them ready to say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, there's probably some kids who are going to say some things like this. Hey, I, I just want you to know there's probably going to be a bully or two at school. Can we just talk about how you navigate? What do you do in a moment like that? What are you doing to put your child in the deep end of the pool? And then I'm just going to say to you, when the bully comes, when, the child, when, when their friend says something, you go, oh, I was hoping they were 31 before they heard that. That you and I take the opportunity to say, no, 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 swim to the edge, son. Swim to the edge, daughter. I'm here. I'm going to help you. We're going to do deep end together. You're going to be okay. But let me tell you what you do when that type of conversation. Let me tell you what happens when they offer you that. 
It's deep end learning. And so let me just ask, what are you doing right now that is anticipating what they need to know before they need it? That has all the potential that they could fail, but it's okay because you'd rather they fail in your presence than when you're not there. Okay, so God's parenting style is all about insulating and not isolating. It's all about deep end learning. And then you ready? Last one. Here we go. It is all about exposing without overwhelming. So it's all about saying, look, I, my job is to figure out how much my child can handle and take them right to the edge of that. But where I am not going to take them is to a place where it now overwhelms them. The waves get too big, and suddenly they're swept away. I, I have to start sh stop short of that, but I've got to take them to the limits of what they're ready to do in their lives. It's all about exposing without overwhelming. Grab your Bibles one last time, because God does this to us over and over again. It's 1 Corinthians. It's going to be a little bit to the left. 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, you can go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find this, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 13, here, you ready for this? Here's what the Bible says, our Heavenly Father does with us, His children, you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So clearly God says, look, I allow you to be tempted. I allow that to happen in your life. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So I'm going to allow it, but I'm not going to allow it to be overwhelming. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And it's this idea that says, look, the only way that I'm going to get you prepared to be an Olympic swimmer is get you in the water. The only way you're going to get there is if we do a lot of laps and part of preparing our children is to say, look, I, as much as I wish this weren't true, the only way I'm going to get you prepared for the world is I'm going, to I'm going to have to let you see some things that I wish you never had to see and be around some people I wish you never had to be around, but I'm going to help you through that moment. I'm going to be there with you because as you and I navigate being a 13-year-old and thinking that every other 13-year-old is a genius and your parents are stupid, as I help you get through this, you're going to learn how to deal with peer pressure when you're a 21-year-old and you're on spring break in Cancun. And so I, I'm, we're going to do this now so that you're prepared for what not to do then and I'm not with you. So I, I'm willing for you to have to do, I'm willing for you to be exposed, just not overwhelmed. Maybe this helps. Joshua, my son, is in the, was in the sixth grade and he came home from school one day, and he said, Dad, my teacher is mean. She is the meanest teacher ever in the history of the world. And I said, well, Josh, what do you mean by that? She says, she, she criticizes the students in front of the other students. She makes these kind of like sarcastic, cutting remarks that make everybody feel, I mean, we just feel embarrassed for each other because she's so mean in the classroom. And so I thought to myself, look, I've, I've got to go meet this teacher because you ready for this? I, I've got to be sure that my sixth grade son is accurately evaluating an adult in his life. 
And I'm just going to suggest to you guys, if, if you think that your 10-year-old child has the capacity to accurately evaluate the adults around them, you are insane. <laughs> adults don't have the capacity to accurately evaluate other adults. It's, it's why we have the bachelorette, okay? It's just... Okay? So I, I went to say, I got to figure out if my son is accurately evaluating uh, this adult in his life. And the truth was, I got there, met his teacher. She was mean. She was mean. I, I mean, everything that Josh had said was pretty accurate. It was a, a, a right-on assessment. And so now Lisa and I were headed home going, okay, what, what are we going to do? Uh, because this gal really is mean, and that's not going to be a very enjoyable environment to do sixth grade in. I'm not sure my son's going to academically get everything that they want to get. And you guys, get this moment. And I suddenly had to ask myself as a parent, am I going to parent for now? Because if I parent for now, my instinct's going to say, I want to make my son happy, and I want to give him a good learning environment. I'm going to transfer him to a new class. Or is this a great then moment? Is this a moment that has the capacity for great preparation in the life of my child? Does, is there a moment of being with a not-so-great teacher that may actually teach him life lessons that will serve him later in life? And Lisa and I decide, you ready for this? Lisa and I decided to leave him in that sixth grade class with a not-so-nice, not-so-fair teacher. Here's why. I knew that someday Josh would work for a boss who would be a jerk. And, and if he said, every time I don't like my leader, every time I don't agree with them, every time I think they're being a bad person, I teach him to run, he will keep the average job about two weeks. And you know people like that. I thought, you know what, there's another lesson here. There's going to be a moment in Josh's life when he's going to think, I'm mean, and that I'm being unfair, and I need to help my sixth grade son learn what it means to give honor to someone who is in positional leadership over them. When his dad says, are you ready? Because I said so. And I know you don't like my decision, and I know you don't agree, and I know you think I'm being a jerk, but I'm going to ask you to honor me because I'm your dad. And I thought, boy, th this is a hugely valuable lesson in the life of my son to learn what it means to obey people even when I'm absolutely sure they're wrong. And you want to know what I thought was maybe even the most important one? There will come a day in every one of our lives when we will decide that God is wrong and that God is being unfair and that God is being stupid. And in that moment, rather than Josh running and going, look, God, I'm just going to veto that one. That, that, one, that whole thing about dating only people who know Jesus or, or that whole one about not watching pornography. You know, I, I just think you got it wrong. And, and I'm, I'm just going to run away from that. I'm going to veto it. And how much more powerful for him to learn, hey, there's going to be moments when people who are put in authority over you, not the least of which is God, 
and you will disagree with him. And yet in that moment, you choose to obey. You choose to honor the fact that she's your teacher. You choose to honor the fact that he's your God and obey. And I just thought, you know what, there's some amazing life lessons for Josh to learn. And now here's, here's what you need to know. I would not have done that with him if he was in third grade. Josh would not have had the capacities or the tools to navigate it. And I, I probably would have withdrawn him from the class because my job as a parent was to make sure he was exposed but not overwhelmed. But as I evaluated my son as a sixth grader in a moment of deep unfairness and unpleasantness, I chose instead to leave him in it in order to prepare him offensively for the trials of life that were going to come later. And I'm just telling you guys, this is what God does to you and me over and over again. So here's what we're going to do. I want to give you some homework. Here's the homework. What are you doing in the life of your child to prepare them for next? What are you doing that you've looked ahead and said, this is what they're going to need to know. They don't even need to know it yet today, but I guarantee you they're going to need to know it then. They're going to need to know it tomorrow. And what are you actively and intentionally doing to anticipate and then get them involved? And matter of fact, even pushing them up to the limit where you say, you know what, there's a real good chance my child will fail at this. But it's okay because I'll be standing by the edge of the pool. I'll rescue them if they need rescue. But I'm going to teach them to swim. I'm going to teach them a life lesson that they're going to need later on. And here's the homework. Would you go home tonight, and if you really are parenting, you have children at home, would you come up with two lessons for each of your children that you'd say in the next 12 months, these are key lessons for that particular child to learn, and here's what I am going to actively do to put them in the deep end to learn that lesson before they need it. Two for each child. Sit down with your spouse come up with a plan. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, God, this is, this is a little bit scary. We're just going to be honest. This idea of allowing some of the world that is not so great to actually be exposed to our children, to put our children in the deep end of the pool and just kind of insist, you, you, you've got to learn to swim. You've got to learn how to overcome the water and not let the water overcome you. But God, I'm going to ask that you would put us on a path of offensive parenting, of saying, look, we're going to, this is not about keeping our children safe. This is about making our children prepared because there's coming a day I won't be around. And my best handoff is to hand my children off to God, ready to overcome the world. God, I'm just going to pray for some of us in this room that are struggling a little bit, that this is just a little bit terrifying. Give us the courage to try. Give us the courage to just kind of test and see for 45 days, to follow your example of parenting and see if it doesn't change the culture of our homes. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.